0: It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio
1: Network.
2: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
1: The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. <laughs>
3: you dare to go down into... The Cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company, and hosted by Cadavera Quivery.
2: Welcome back, fiends. Cadavera is overjoyed to have you in her cellar once more. Oh, please, duck your head. That's a new web made by Rodrigo. Rodrigo, no. These are my friends. My (laughs) fiends. I'll back away. Yes, that's a good boy. I'll see you later. Yes. Oh, do not mind, Rodrigo. He doesn't get much company. And when he sees new people, he can't keep his hands, all eight of them, to himself. <laughs> oh. oh, but where was I? oh yes darlings yes you're just in time because I was right on the verge of cracking open my great big book of eerie tales follow me (laughs) <laughs> ah, yes. Tonight we travel to Texas to meet two men who frequent a certain restaurant in the celebrated hill country and get more than they bargained for when they sample today's special. <laughs>
4: Kevin? Kevin! Kevin Carstairs. Well I'll be damned it is you. Hello. Hello? Uh... it's Linus. Linus Mathridge. How many years has it been? Ten? Oh, hello
5: Linus. Long time.
4: Sure has. Lots of water under the bridge, right? Are you coming or going? Uh coming or going? Arriving or departing. Oh, say, I'd like you to meet the wife. Honey, this is my old friend and dining companion, Kevin Carstairs. Hello. Hello. Are you living in Dallas now? We've been here about four years. We're heading to the coast, kind of a combination business trip and vacation.
5: I hate to be rude, Linus, but I've got to get to my gate. As you might have noticed, it's going to take me a bit longer to get there, so...
4: Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, man. We'll let you get on your way, then. Good to see you, and...
6: It was nice meeting you. Wow. Well. The poor man. How long has he been like that?
4: Don't know. Must have happened since I saw him last, so any time within the past ten years or so.
6: Is he an old college friend?
4: College? Oh, no. Met him shortly after I first moved to Austin. What does he do? When I met him, he was an up-and-coming freelance journalist. Not sure if he's still in that racket, though. He looked pretty seedy, poor man. Were the two of you close? At the time? Oh, I suppose so. I mentioned that we were dining companions, right? Well, let's move along to the gate, and I'll tell you all about this wonderful place we used to go to together. Oh, wait. Waitress! Kevin, what kind of place is this? The girl sets the food down and disappears. And it's half-cooked slop. Mine too. Sorry,
5: I just wanted to meet up with you and tell you something, and I thought lunch at this place would be convenient.
4: Well, I wouldn't mind so much if I could actually eat what's put in front of me.
5: Sorry again.
4: Well, what did you want to talk about?
5: Well, I wanted to let you know about this other restaurant I dined at the other day. I had... The best meal there! My friend, it was pure ambrosia.
4: And I'm supposed to react how to this news? I'm sitting here with a plate of excrement in front of me, and you're telling me about a meal fit for the gods? Well... And why aren't we having lunch there right now?
5: (laughs) Two reasons. One, they don't serve lunch. Two, it's in the hill country, and it's pretty hard to get to. And
4: I'm guaranteed to enjoy it even more after my experience in this place? Yes! I'm sold. When do we go? Next week, Friday. Great. What time are you picking me up? So we drove the following Friday from Austin to the Hill Country in Cabin's BMW convertible, top down, a brisk autumn breeze blowing, and all the gorgeous changing leaves making the sky look like it was on fire. Cabin kept up an equally brisk commentary all the way from my flat to our destination, which was outside of Lakey in Real County. Have you ever been to the Hill Country, my pet? Nope.
6: I'd never even set foot in Texas until you married me and brought me to Dallas, but I hear it's lovely.
4: It certainly is. You can say lovely and your breath catches in your throat, and then you can't think of anything better to say. There just aren't any words to describe it, especially in the fall. It's about a two-hour drive from Austin, and it's like entering an entirely different country.
6: All right, poet. Enough with the pretty talk. Get on with the story.
4: Sorry, my love. As I was saying, Cabin talked my ear off on the way there, telling me about the meals he'd eaten at this mysterious place, so that the drive seemed shorter, and we were at the so-called restaurant in no time. I did take note of several twisting, turning, ill-paved roads, but by the time Cabin had parked the car, I didn't care where it was or what the place looked like on the outside. I was absolutely ravenous. We walked up three or four creaking front porch steps, the restaurant was a converted Victorian style home and walked right in.
6: May I help the gentleman?
5: Yes. Two for dinner, please. Certainly, sir.
6: Please to follow me?
4: Gavin and I were escorted by the pretty young hostess into a space that I've long considered as tightly packed as a Russian peasant's living room. There must have been nine occupied tables for four, and we were shown to the tent. Squeezing between the other patrons to our table, I noticed that nearly everyone there was dressed semi-formally. Jackets and ties, T-link dresses with modest necklines, the like. I felt that Kevin and I, in our polos and chinos, were a bit out of place. But nobody seemed to notice. Kevin, the girl didn't give us any menus.
5: No, of course she didn't. There are no menus here.
4: No menus? Then
5: how will we know what to order? We will eat what is placed before us, my friend. Madame Fadoja prepares one special dish per evening. And anyone who comes here comes for the mystery
4: of... What
5: is it this time? ha ha ha! Uh, and I, for one, cannot
4: wait to find out! At that moment, a statuesque woman in an electric blue dress approached us and stood by our table, with her hands folded at her waist. We rose to our feet as if greeting the present, or someone equally important.
5: Ah! Hello! Linus, allow me to introduce our proprietor and hostess, Madame Fadoja. Fadoja, this is my friend Linus Matheridge.
7: Friends of my dear Kevin are always welcome. Thank you for gracing us with your presence, Mr. Matridge.
4: Madam Fedosia held out her hand for me to take it, and her grip was cool and dry. Her jet black hair was cut short in what I think they used to call a flying wedge, and had a lock of stark white hair that fell over her forehead. Her face, while not exactly beautiful, was nonetheless striking with the high cheekbones and long nose of the Slavic people. Her brilliant blue eyes stared into mine and, I kid you not, seemed to penetrate into my psyche. (sighs) The electric blue dress I mentioned was form-fitting and sheathed a lithe, athletic figure. Indeed, she may well have been an athlete in her youth, for she did not so much resemble a restaurateur as she did a former gymnast. She smiled and showed perfect white teeth. Then released my hand and turned back to Kevin.
7: Kevin, dear boy, it pleases me to know and to have you seated again in my humble establishment. I hope you both brought your appetites with you.
5: I haven't eaten a thing all day, so I'm hungry enough to eat a horse.
7: <laughs> then you are in luck. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
7: no, I make the joke. Tonight is very special dish from my mother's recipe. Soap you in tender chunks of roast venison in a sauce that will make you weep with joy. Please, sit down and I will serve you myself. Oh, thank you, Ivan. <laughs>
4: As Madame Fedosia stood describing the special dish for that night, a server brought a large, covered terrine on a silver tray. With a flourish, Fedosia uncovered the tureen, and we were immediately surrounded by an intense, delicious aroma. Dinner plates were produced, and as she dished up the venison with an ornate silver ladle, I glanced across the table at my companion. Kevin was gazing intently, not at the beautiful golden brown chunks of meat in their aromatic gravy, but at the placid face of Madame Fadoja as she worked to service our portions. Thank you, Madame. It looks positively scrumptious.
5: It certainly does, Fadoja. I'd love to see how you do it. Linus, I've been wrangling for weeks with Madame Fadoja to get a glimpse of her kitchen. I'm desperate to pen a story about this place for one of the Texas tourism mags, but I can't write a good one without seeing the kitchen firsthand. Unfortunately, the fine lady here keeps putting me off, don't you, Fidoja?
7: Mr. Matridge, I keep telling your friend Kevin that he must be patient. If you wait just a little while longer, my dear, you will be rewarded. Do you believe me, darling?
5: (sighs) Yes, all right, Fidoja. I'll wait, I'll wait. I just want to help you get a bit more publicity, and I know one editor who will be crazy about the story.
7: Thank you, my sweet boy. I'm grateful for any help you might offer. But now, please enjoy yourselves and I will return when you are finished. And now, I must see to my other guests.
3: Turn to the cellar after this important message from 63 Audio. As a special feature, we've sent our intrepid reporter, Phil Boyd Studge, out to Donut Center, Illinois, where he'll be speaking to a married couple who are this week's big winners in the state lottery. We'll let Phil Boyd tell you all about it. And so, from Donut Center, Illinois, take it away, Phil Boyd Studge.
1: Boyd Sudge here, speaking to you from in front of the Ugg Sav convenience store in Donut Center, Illinois, where a very fortunate married couple have been named the big winners of a very large state lottery jackpot. But before we meet those lucky lovebirds, I understand we're going to chat for a moment with the manager of the Ugg Sav store here, a Ms. Magnolia shiplap. Miss Shiplap, I hope I pronounced your name correctly.
8: Uh, yes, yes, you did, Phil Boyd. Uh, may I call you Phil Boyd? Uh, no. Oh, yes, uh, Phil Boyd, you you did pronounce my name correctly, but not the store's name.
1: No? So, uh, um, it, it's not Uggsav?
8: No, Phil Boyd, though I admit it looks a little like Uggsav. No, the name of our store is the Huge Save Convenience Store.
1: Huge Save? Really? Well, if you say so, you're the manager, Magnolia.
8: Yes, yes, I am.
1: So, moving on, Ms. Shiplap, were you the manager on duty at the time this winning ticket was purchased?
8: Yes. Yes, that's correct, I was. I punched in the digits and collected the money. I handed over the winning ticket to the customer.
1: But, of course, you had no idea at the time that you were selling a winning ticket, right?
8: No, but looking back to that moment, I can say with all honesty that when I handed over that winning ticket to those people, I felt a kind of, um, oh, something, uh, pass between us.
0: A kind of something? Well, isn't that remarkable? And now let's meet the very special people who actually purchased this winning ticket. I, uh, see by my notes that you are Mr. and Mrs. Winston Hedges, is that right?
9: Yes, that's right. I'm Mr. Winston Hedges, and my wife here, this is my wife. She's
10: Mrs. Winston Hedges. Pleased to meet you. Are you talking to me? What? No, you don't fool. I'm talking to Mr. Studge. Well,
9: that's what I thought, but it looked like you were looking at me when you said it.
10: Pretty stupid of me, don't you think, to say pleased to meet you to my own husband?
9: Well, I was just making sure.
10: You darn fool.
9: Now,
0: now, calm down, you lovebirds. We don't want any domestic strife going out over the airwaves, do we? <laughs> well,. I understand that you, Mr. Winston Hedges, and your wife...
9: Mrs. Winston Hedges?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Mrs. Winston Hedges. Uh, that is to say, both of you were here at the uh, UGG, or rather, huge save store together when this winning ticket was purchased? Yes, that's right, Mr.
9: Studge, Yes,
10: that's right, Mr. Studge, but funnily enough, my husband... Mr. Winston Hedges. Oh, hush, you dern fool. Don't you think he knows your dern name by now? Ugh.
0: That's huge. What? Skip it.
10: Anyway, Mr. Winston Hedges was the one who wanted to buy the ticket, and I argued against it. He ended up buying the ticket, though, brazenly defying me right in front of my face. Oh, I can tell you, Mr. Studge, I was mad enough to spit after that.
9: She sure was.
0: But surely, Mrs. Winston Hedges, you forgave him readily enough when you learned that the ticket was chosen as the winning number.
9: Ha! That's what you think. She only started talking to me five minutes before you showed up, Mr. Studge. And I'll be happy to stop again any time, you darn fool. Yeah? Well, see if I care. That was the most peaceful three days I can remember and in-
0: 50 years. And what was the amount of the lottery jackpot, Mr. Winston
1: Hedges?
9: Well, it was $17,342,567 And 32 cents cents. And 32 cents You keep telling everybody that as if it means what? Well,
10: he asked you for the total amount, didn't he? Well,
9: maybe that's all you're going to get is that G'all darn 32 cents, you old harpy. Don't
10: you take that tone with me, you no good. Folks,
0: folks, Mr. and Mrs. Winston Hedges, let's all take a deep breath and try to focus on the main thing, which is the fact that the two of you are now multi-millionaires. And by the looks of this crowd, instant celebrities.
9: Oh, yes, Mr. Studge. My wife, Mrs. Winston Hedges, and I have been interviewed by our local paper, and... And
10: the mayor called us this morning on the phone while we were having our breakfast.
9: Yeah, well, and my pancakes got stone cold while I was waiting for that crook to shut his flapping
10: truck. Now, you just hush. Derwin is my cousin's nephew, and that makes them almost family.
9: I never voted for
10: him. Anyway, Mr. Studge, it's just been very exciting, all this attention.
0: Yes, I can imagine so. Well, it's about time to wrap up our chat, so let me ask you one final question. What do the two of you plan to do, Mr. and Mrs. Winston-Hedges, with all of your millions?
10: Well, I'm going to take some of it and get a few repairs done on our house. We've lived there for 30 years or so, and it's about time we got indoor plumbing. Oh, and I'll probably get new tires for our Studebaker. They were pretty thin the last time I checked.
0: That sounds very nice, Mrs. Winston-Hedges. And what about you, Mr. Winston-Hedges? Hedges? Winston-Hedges? Say, that's me. Did I win again? No, no, sir. I, I was just going to ask you, what do you plan to do with your newfound riches?
9: Oh. Oh, well. I think I'll take some of that money and uh, uh, get a haircut. And uh, maybe uh, uh, a bag of orange jelly beans.
0: Jelly beans?
9: Orange ones. They're the best kind. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, all of that sounds pretty wonderful, Mr. and Mrs. Winston Hedges. And that's all the time we have, so from the UGG... (laughs) Or rather, huge save convenience store in Donut Center, Illinois. This is Phil Boyd Studge, returning you to our studio.
4: And now, back to The
3: Cellar.
4: Well, as you might guess, the meal tasted just as delicious as it looked. The entire experience was rather heady for both Kevin and me. And as we returned to Austin afterwards, I had to keep reminding him to keep his eyes on the road. He couldn't stop praising the exotic dish we'd just consumed. And he proclaimed the culinary skills, the beauty, and the grace of Madame Fedosia to the autumn skies. Luckily, I wasn't required to respond as I was stuffed full as a Christmas goose and didn't feel like talking. Kevin dropped me off at my flat and, after promising to take me with him on the next visit to Fidoja's, sped away into the night. As I drifted off to sleep a little later, comforted by the memory of the extreme sensory experience I'd just had, I was already anticipating the next visit in my mind. Let's see, where was I?
6: You were just telling me about that first wonderful meal at Madame Fidoja's and how lovely and attractive the lady was.
4: (laughs) What's this? My dear wife, you sound positively jealous. (laughs) Well, there's no need to be, darling, since I haven't set eyes on her since before the last time I saw Kevin Carstairs. And that, as I've already told you, was more than a decade ago. Until today. Yes, until today. And the good Madame Fadocia was quite striking, with a very attractive figure. But there was something... Uh... Anyway, as I was saying, Cabin and I returned to that out-of-the-way restaurant in the Hill Country several times in the ensuing months. Each time our meals were superb. Each time we sang the praises of the proprietress. And each time we drove home to Austin in a near stupor, From stuffing ourselves silly. Indeed, both of us were growing quite plump from Fadoja's rich fare. There was one particular time when we were driving up. (laughs) What's the gag? (laughs) You look like the cat that ate the canary. (laughs)
5: And you look like you ate something much bigger.
4: Oh, shut up. All of my clothes are too tight lately. I shouldn't even be going on this jaunt with you. I should be at the gym instead of stuffing my gut. What? And miss today's special? What did she call it? Roast haunch of... Roast haunch of Berasinga dough. I looked up a Berasinga. It's a huge deer originally from Pakistan and Nepal but apparently there's a ranch right here in Texas that raises them.
5: I don't care where it's from, so long as we can eat it and so long as Madame F prepares it with the same skill and aplomb as all of our previous meals.
4: She did say that the doe's meat was more tender than the buck's and in the haunch particularly. I have a strong suspicion that this one will be the best so far. (sighs) By the way Don't think I didn't notice the way she was looking you over the last time we were there, Cabin. On top of that, this was the first time she told us in advance what the next meal was going to be. I think she's buttering you up for a surprise, my friend.
5: She was probably feeling sorry for having caused me to buy a much larger wardrobe. And as for any surprise, well, I was thinking the same thing, Linus. I didn't tell you this before, but I received an email a few days ago from the lady herself, confirming our my visit this evening. Linus, tonight,
4: she may actually invite me into her kitchen. Well, I hope so, for your sake. In the meantime, I'm going to sit back and dream of Berasinga until we get there. Upon arrival, we greeted and were hailed by several of the other regular patrons married couples, and paired-up friends like Kevin and me. I noticed the back of one married man who seemed to be their stag, so I went up to say hello. When I put my hand on his shoulder, he looked up at me with the most downtrodden expression I'd ever seen. The poor man told me that his wife had been in a horrible accident a few weeks back, and had lost both of her legs just below the pelvis. He hadn't left her side that whole time, but today she'd recovered sufficiently to insist that he come here tonight. I'm not staying.
9: Just getting a couple portions of today's special for the wife and me to share in her
4: hospital room. It'll be a nice surprise for her, I think. She always loved coming here. Yes, that sounds really nice. I'm sure she'll love that. Give your wife my best and... Tell her I hope she has a speedy recovery. I'll see you later. Take care.
5: Oh, there you are. Get lost in the crowd?
4: No, just talking with somebody. His wife. No, never mind. I don't want to spoil your appetite.
5: Oh, you're such a good friend because I don't want my appetite spoiled either. Oh God, can't you just smell that? absolutely divine. And here it comes. Better losing your belt now, Linus. This is announcement for passengers
4: on flight flight delayed due to bad weather conditions. And the haunch of Berasinga was, of course, everything we'd been expecting and more. Tender, succulent, with a light base flavor that allowed the seasonings to augment it without spoiling And a sauce that, oh, a decade later, and I can still remember how that wonderful sauce affected my senses, almost erotic. I swear I was sitting at that table with a partial erection from the aroma alone. Madame Fadoja hadn't served us that evening, but she stopped by our table to ask how we liked the special. And I didn't have words. I felt, and luckily controlled, a sudden, savage urge to show my thanks by throwing the woman down on the table and ravishing her. So intense was my physical arousal by this exotic dish. Are you kidding me? What? No. Every word I'm telling you is true. Why have I never heard this story before? I don't know.
6: I guess it just never came up. Well, I knew coming into this marriage that it wasn't my cooking that turned you on. Well, keep talking. We have lots of time.
4: I'm going to ignore that crack, because I know you'd rather hear this story than have an argument. So, it turned out that Madame Fadocia did have an invitation for Kevin to visit her kitchen so he could write his magazine piece, but it wasn't for that night. Three weeks from this Thursday? Of course I can make it. I wouldn't dream of passing
5: up a chance like this.
7: That is wonderful, darling boy. Are you certain you do not have any conflicts in your schedule?
5: If I do, they're broken. I've waited too long for this invitation, Fadoja. Too long. I'll be here. And Linus, can you come along that night?
7: I am sorry to say that the invitation to the kitchen is for you alone, my dear. Daddling cleanliness is always welcome in the dining hall, but...
4: Oh, that's all right. I understand completely. Not really my thing, anyway, madam. And the whole thing's moot regardless, because... My Blackberry tells me that three weeks from this Thursday, I'll be on a plane to New York to attend my brother's wedding that weekend. You think you can handle things without me?
5: <laughs> I shall do my best. I'm sorry you won't be here to bask in my glory, my friend. I'll just have to wait until you get back to Austin.
4: Well, I will want every single gory detail, I hope you know. <laughs> 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 and until today, that was the last time I saw my friend, Kevin Carstairs. You know the rest of the story because you were at my brother's wedding.
6: Well, as the bride's younger sister, it was somewhat expected of me.
4: And after that day, I had eyes for no one but you. We get married, eventually move to Dallas, and have our beautiful life. And Kevin has never popped into my head once.
6: So you have no idea whether or not he ever wrote that story about Madame Fidoja's?
4: No. I can't even say for sure if he made it back there for the kitchen inspection. And I never came across any magazine pieces written by him, any at all. So I have no idea what he's done with his life over the past decade.
6: Hmm. I can imagine that whatever he's been doing, it hasn't been easy. His condition.
4: I know, right? I feel so sorry for him, stuck in that wheelchair. I can't imagine what sort of accident took his legs. Well, they're boarding our flight. Let's go.
2: That's simply delicious, fiends. (laughs) It makes me want to go and see what's in the cooler. I think we may have a little brisket left over from the exterminator who came to call last week. (laughs) It was one of the few times I let Rodrigo play with his food. (laughs) Our story for tonight was today's special, episode 5 of The Cellar, written in 2015 by Pete Lutz and inspired by an episode of the 1970s BBC radio program, The Price of Fear. And I, of course, am your very own cadavera quivery. <laughs> I look forward to our next meeting, fiends. Until then, remember don't take candy from stranglers. <laughs>
3: The cellar is produced and directed by Pete Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players: Alan Clower as Linus Matheridge, Dana Gonzales as Kevin Carstairs, Christy Glick as Mrs. Matheridge and the hostess, Eileen Corpus as Madame Fedosia, and Kevin Schuster as the restaurant patron. Airport announcements by Zoe Jenkins and Pete Lutz. Music for this episode was specially composed and performed by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Cadaver Quivery is played by Angela Young. This is Graham Rowett speaking. The Cellar is a 63 audio production mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Join us next time when Cadaver tells you a weird tale that begins in a courtroom and ends in a morgue. But it all takes place inside the mind of a dead woman. Here's a scene from that episode.
8: Sanders, I want to tell you that in all my years as a district attorney, I've never seen such palpably manufactured evidence and so many paid perjurers in one case.
7: It's so nice to know that your experience has been broadened.
8: Sanders, you're a disgrace to the bar. At least I'm not a sore loser. Why, you no good? <sighs> Let me tell you something, Sanders. There will be one murderer you won't get off, and that will be your own. Mark my words. Is that a threat, Roberts? No. I'm simply telling you, someday, somewhere, someone is going to give you your just desserts. And whoever it is, you won't be there to defend him.
3: It's called The Defense Rests by Julius Long. Next time on The Cellar.
1: 63 Audio. I'm John Bell of the Bells in the Batfree podcast, and.
9: Mr. Bell, I have invented a way to travel in time. And how does that work, Arnie? Very well, thank you. I found a way to go back in time to relive our earliest adventures. I call it my back in time podcastulator. I call it Mutual Audio Network's Friday Follies. Well, that's a silly name. On
3: Fridays, you can hear the old original episodes of Bells in the Batfree.
9: Oh, yeah, the bad
3: ones. And on many Sundays, you can hear the newest Bells in the Batfree episodes.
9: Oh, yeah, the bad ones. So you can hear
3: the old And the new.
9: I realize how it has managed to avoid improving. Yes. Wait, what?
0: There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more, if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.